Hey there, and welcome to Craftish episode number 17. I'm your host, Vicki Howell. This episode is sponsored by Makers Mercantile. Makers Mercantile is a space for fueling your creativity, inspiring you to make with any medium you feel passionate about. Their online shop carries supplies for sewing, weaving, knitting, crochet, dyeing, plus curated gifts, books, craft storage, apparel, really anything that'll put a crafty smile on your face. Check out makersmercantile.com for more info and then stay tuned for the end of this show for a special deal from them for you stitchers out there. So this week I sat down and chatted with Netherlands-based illustrator, blogger, and author of Your Sharpie Style, Deborah Green. We talked about her choice to reinvent herself creatively, taking the leap to move out of country again, and how vintage decor and Amsterdam architecture inspire her illustration style. Let's meet her now. Deborah Green, thank you for being on Craftish. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I want to start, you're about to sort of make a major life change. Um, You are from Amsterdam, but then Uh you moved to New York City. Yes. And now you're moving, or you have moved um, back home. Right. And I, I want to I want to start there because for me, I feel like creativity is often kicked off by change. That, uh-huh. that often the sort of like ebb and flow of feelings and emotions that you have whenever there's a major change in your life uh-huh. can can really sort of set you off on a new creative path. And I want to before we you know talk about your book, I wanted to talk a little bit about where you feel like you are at creatively. Yeah, well, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, I think if you move, even if it's within the United States from one state to another, it doesn't need to be from one side of the world to another world. But when you start over, it's like you can um, reinvent yourself in a way. And I think when I moved to New York, that's like 10 years ago, like nobody knew me. I just knew a handful of people, but I could start over, be who I wanted to be at that time. And I think right now, moving back to the Netherlands, where, of course, I have family and old friends, they know me, but they also not know me in a way. Like, I can start over again because 10 years have passed and they know me as who I was, I think, and just take it from there. So I can just be who I want to be again and and creatively, too. So you've created sort of these blank canvases for yourself yeah and it, I, I like that in a way and it's like when I've moved to New York I just turned 30 so that's like a whole new world and now I just recently turned 40 so that's again one of those milestones in your life yeah that you, yeah yeah that you you know you stop and look around and think okay what is it that I want to do right now and it's really nice to have like a like some people just like some women just cut their hair I just move across the world and start over. That's that's kind of the feeling I have. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think as an American, um, we have kind of like an idyllic um, sort of frame of mind of what the Netherlands is like. I, I, I just think about everything just like gorgeous, like mid-century modern, like Danish uh-huh. furniture uh-huh. and you know, just sort of like this adorable illustration and all of the things that I think actually do sort of seep through your own work. But I'm curious to know, so, you know, whether or not that's actually true. Um, You grew Mm -hmm. up with 
at least in my mind, <laughs> you know, this general sort of vibe around you. But you make the decision to move to New York, which has an amazing energy and undercurrent, but it seems so much like like it has such harder edges. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, well, Amsterdam will you talk a- about that? Will you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about, well, both like comparing and contrasting the two different spaces for you, but also just what it was inside of you to make you creatively or personally or emotionally or however you're comfortable talking about it make Uh such a large change well i think like yes the netherlands is all that that you that you think it is um we don't really walk around in wooden shoes and all that that makes me a little sad (laughs) yeah I, i never owned a pair of wooden shoes before but um, it has all this great design and it's very pleasing to my eyes. I'm a very visual person. When I, when I look at things, I look in shapes and colors and, and it just makes me very happy. And then Amsterdam, um, moving to New York was basically uh, a move of love because yes, it's an exciting city and inspirational. And I think most people in their life at one point thought, oh, I want to move to New York. But I did it because my, my husband was living there. Not at that time, my husband, my boyfriend at that time. So we've been in a long distance relationship for seven years before I actually moved to New York. Um, oh, wow, that's a long time. Yeah, it is a long time. Was he, um, is he American? Yes, he has okay. a double nationality. So he's Dutch and American, okay. but he was already living in New York when I met him. And at the time I met him, I was still working, um, doing corporate jobs, working at a bank, um, but still, you know, being creative on the side. And then when you move to New York, I had that freedom of choice to think, okay, corporate New York must be amazing, but creative New York is insane i want to be part of that that was really what happened when you know the times that i just visited him i was like this is where i want to be right now and just be a part of all this i wrote a lot too and you had this whole scene of spoken word artists in the city of new york at that time which was i just wanted to be in there and and listen to everybody and learn from them and I think yeah that was a major change yeah yeah were you into fashion as well um, a little bit. Um, I like drawing fashion. I like to make fashion illustrations and that is why I read fashion magazines, but I'm not like a fashionista and, you know, uh, following all the trends and everything. But I like going through the magazines. So, you know, to, to see what's, what's what and yeah, sorry. Um, so when you so when mm-hmm. you moved so you you worked in sort of the IT tech world for mm-hmm. a bit, which is mm-hmm. you know inherently uncreative. Although, right. <laughs> yeah, you can I guess make you can creative, I guess but, you can make yeah. anything creative. But um, mm-hmm. for the purposes of where we're going with this, yeah, <laughs> walk no, no, walk with me. me. Yeah. Um, at what point? So when you moved to New York, do you? Do you get an IT job just to sort of pay the bills or a banking job just to get the pay the bills and then you sort of no, look for that? No, I didn't do any of that. Okay. <laughs> no, I just went there and, you know, I was lucky that my husband was already, he, he's a musician and he worked in a theater. So that gave me some space to play around to see what what was possible for me. Um, so I do, started doing graphic design and illustration work. 
And then um, I was very lucky to get my first book deal. I think I was in New York, not, not even for a year yet. And, and I started working on my first book, 100 Applique Motifs, like sewing. Um, yeah, so that was a very big... How does that how does that happen? Now I, re- I that was in 2008 and I mm-hmm. and at, at that time that was actually towards the end of when publishers were still doing so well that they were handing mm-hmm. out book it's it was so much easier in the you know early part of the 2000s to get book mm-hmm. deals than it is now as you probably know you know mm-hmm. writing subsequent books um but you know 2008 obviously is kind of when things started to collapse here in the states financially and definitely mm-hmm. for publishers so I'm guessing that you were probably offered it in 2007 ish. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. How does that happen? How do you? It, so this book is was a well, it still exists uh, an mm-hmm. applique book. It's mm-hmm. um, they were all original appliques, um, but it's sewing based. So where? Yeah. How does a publisher find you for a sewing yeah. book? Okay, so um, before I moved to New York, I was you know doing the long distance thing, having a lot of lonely nights in Amsterdam. Um, I had my sewing machine. I was always always very crafty. So in my spare time, I was always making things. And that was also the time before Instagram. I think before Facebook. So we all had blogs. Right. That was how we all you know saw what everybody was doing. So I had a blog and. It wasn't huge, but I always showed what I was making and an occasional tutorial here and there. So I guess that's just how they found me, um, or that is how they found me. Um, and then, you know, one day you get that email in your mailbox and it says, like, would you be interested in doing something? And we started talking from there. And sewing was at that time um, the thing that I, um, I think projected the most. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that I put out the most that I was doing. I think drawing and my illustration work is so personal, is so close to my heart. I think looking back at my life, a lot of times I just kept that to myself. Um, just, you know, if you put it, that out there and people will criticize it or, yeah. you know, have an opinion. That was Especially just on the more- internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and maybe back then it wasn't even that harsh as it is now, but I grew. So now I am ready to put everything out there and just be me and say, okay, this is what I love to do. And I want to draw and or I'm drawing and I'm making art and there's people that like it. So, you know, let's work from there. And I think if I can just skip ahead real quick, it's like with this second book that I did, the Sharpie style, is really a lot of illustration work in there. You know, every every project is basically me giving somebody a, a piece of a little piece of art that they can replicate themselves. So yeah, I think that triggered my love for illustration work a lot. And this was so. This was um, is Moyo's playground. Is that the blog we're talking about? Yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. And so. I want to talk more about illustration, but let's let's talk mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. more about this first book was a sewing book. Were you sharing sewing tutorials? Is yeah, that, from time to time. Right. Yeah. So what mm-hmm. I love about what I love about stories like this, and arguably it's a little more difficult now because we're so saturated with yeah. with blogs and gr- beautiful Instagram feeds, and you know 
Pinterest accounts, and there's just so much talent visibly available for everyone out there. But what mm-hmm. I do, which can be tough, mm-hmm. but what but what it does do, and and what your story um, definitely shares is that we can sort of create our own creative destinies we by by being willing as you said you know to take something personal and put it out there even if it just feels like it's on a small scale Mm -hmm. you're also sort of putting it out into the ether Um, you've opened yourself up to yes to criticism but really if you balance it out you're also opening yourself up to great possibilities yeah and 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 that's the thing you never know who's looking at your work or like who likes it and who's gonna enjoy it not even necessarily because i think new york has a lot of that vibe like okay who is this person and what can he or she uh do for me or you know help me out with I think there's also a lot of joy coming from people just appreciating your work. Yeah, yeah. And also, Mm -hmm. um, I think just putting it out there for no other reason than for yourself, because Mm -hmm. it's something you're passionate about. Yeah, and sometimes it can be intimidating. I think so. If you see all the other talent out there of the whole world, you can see what everybody is doing. And sometimes it's like, okay, so who am I? Okay, yeah, I've been drawing for like almost 40 years, but still, you know, but then it's inspirational too. If you, yeah. you know, you get into contact with people you never, how do, well, you, you know how, how do you talk yourself down from that? How do you, how do you deal with the sort of like inevitable um, internet jealousy and 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 by the way anybody who says that they don't ever get internet jealous is lying because it's so hard to not as an artist or a creative type to yeah. not compare yourself to other people's work so how do you personally you know uh, make yeah, come to peace with that sometimes I just like shake it off and move on and stop looking at things sometimes I take a time out of social media mm-hmm. just yeah. don't connect disconnect um other times it turns out into like a creative crush in a way. I think I had had that with um, a creative crush. I love that. Yeah, like with Jane Davenport. I don't know if you know her. She's from Australia. She's a great artist and she's so funny and I like her work a lot. And at first I was like, oh man, she's amazing. She's you know, I never met her. I never spoke to her. I, I, it would be my pleasure, but you know, I just see her work and. And then it's like, okay, I'm just crushing on her. I love how she is and what she does. And and then you turn it around in a way. Now I'm not intimidated by her anymore or her work. I see it and it just makes me feel good. Have you ever considered reaching out to collaborate in some way? Oh, yes, but when I'm ready. <laughs> I see. I, yes, and... It's one of those things I would love for her. I know she travels a lot. I know that because, you know, you, you see that on her Instagram and her Facebook and everywhere. And right now, when I just I just moved to the Netherlands in May. We just bought a new house. I can move into it in September. It's in this amazing little town called Harlem. Um, not Harlem, New York, but Harlem. <laughs> yes. That's, Harlem, a, that's a very important, mm-hmm. very important distinction. Yes, um, but it's like a little city from, I think it dates back from the 12th century, like way up, way old. So the architecture is amazing. It's gorgeous. I just want to draw every building and it's so inspirational. It's, it's really the prettiest town I've ever seen. And I get to live there 
So I'm like, okay, once I'm settled down and I have some more work and, uh, you know, when everything goes with the flow, I would love to reach out to her. And if she's ever in the neighborhood, I would love to show her around the city because I think she, she would really enjoy it. And you too, if you ever find yourself in the Netherlands, give me a call. I will, okay, <laughs> A, I will 100% do that. <laughs> B, I love that you've put it in that part of you being ready to connect with an artist is being in the mindset to be able to host them someplace. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. beautiful. Um, and not something you hear often. I love that. So your book, your latest book, Your Sharpie Style, um, as we've sort of mentioned already is illustration based mm-hmm. have you been drawing your whole life did you draw as a child yes a lot a lot like my mom was um a designer seamstress so it was always sewing around and she always had this box of buttons and crayons you know for, to draw her patterns out and the pattern paper was always around um so i was already exposed to all the materials to draw and to be creative. Um, yeah, so I started at a very young age and I, I think it was always my my craft of choice, my creative outlet of choice mm-hmm. to draw. And I love that it's so easy because wherever you find yourself, you usually have a pen or a pencil or a piece of paper somewhere in 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 you know in your purse or on the table so you can do it everywhere and always and i've been doing that do you have particular things every sort of um illustrator that i've spoken to um always they always tell me that there's a drive to draw that they just can't it's like breathing for them do you mm-hmm. have that same experience yes um I think I noticed, like, I've always been aware of that, but I noticed it quite recently um, when I just moved here. Um, the first couple of weeks being at my parents' place with my husband and my baby, um, and just trying to get settled in and meeting all my friends and family, and you don't really have time for anything else but just be in the moment. And then there was this feeling in my gut, in my stomach, like, there's something missing, there's something not right. And I didn't have my studio, I didn't have a desk, or I still don't, but there was no no area for my 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 tools, my my paper and my pencils. And and I really missed that. And then one night I was just like, okay, I don't need a dedicated workspace. I don't need a desk. I don't need my studio. I just need my pencil and my paper. So I took that out, you know, in my suitcase, it was there. So I took it out and I sat at the kitchen table and I started drawing again. And all of a sudden there was this whole tense feeling that just left and everything was good again. So that really makes me aware of, okay, whatever is happening and how stressful life is or how fun life is, just make some time. I always have 10 to 15 minutes time at the end of the day so I can do something. I can make a sketch, you know? So it's just... Yeah, it's just really important to me that I draw every day. And I think I learned that from my husband, too, as a musician. He, he, I think he's amazing, but he practices every day. If it's the guitar or the trumpet or whatever instrument he picks up that day, he practices every day. And I see that, and it's like, yeah, of course. And the more you do something, the better you get at it, the more natural it gets. So, yeah, I try to right. do that. 
Right. Yeah. So it's twofold. I mean, I know some people can get really hard on themselves about maybe something not being as good as they think it should be, mm-hmm. um, you know, and oh, definitely mm-hmm. practice is important. Right. So important. Yeah. And, and and that's something that Jane Davenport said too one day about like, don't be too hard on yourself and don't be too hard towards your art because you created it and it's it's good. It's there. So it's good. And it's, something in that it yeah. serves a purpose that serves mm-hmm. a purpose you know and even if you're not even if there isn't necessarily a finished product mm-hmm. i think it's so important to be creative every day anyway just for your soul and mm-hmm. it's so hard to work that into you know we're we're parents and or working people and or you know we've got all this information coming at us through you know the internet every day it's really hard to do but like you said 10 minutes mm-hmm. just 10 minutes can really alleviate a lot of stress and kind of feed you in a way that's so important yeah i mean like everybody talks about you know having like 30 minutes of exercise time a day well i take 10 minutes out of that and draw <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah but yeah. i see i see the importance and and like my son is two and a half now and i see that you know he really is very interested in everything i'm doing with all the the tools and the the you know for him it's toys like all the pencils and markers and everything and you know sometimes he can play with my markers and my pencils but he has his own and then he plays and he he draws and you know i encourage him to do whatever and yesterday he got his first guitar oh, how exciting yeah a real guitar like a half size guitar like a little mini fender strat or something yeah like yeah. a real one and and it's so cute we we always have a guitar next to his crib so when he can't fall asleep yet he plays the guitar or he strums the guitar of course i, I call it playing the guitar because it's, it's you should really yeah it, it empowers him absolutely yeah. has becoming mm-hmm. a mother changed the way that you create at all or the way that your creativity is expressed uh i think i'm more aware of it um i i'm always i have always been a planner i I always plan ahead like making myself go crazy planning ahead um so i when i became pregnant um i was already planning all the crafts i think from zero to at least 10 years old boys crafts you know because yeah i wanted to be prepared (laughs) and now we're two and a half years in and yes i do some crafting with him but it all is very more organic than really planned out crafting i'm not necessarily one of those uh pinterest moms that have the whole kid crafting station set up um with a plan every morning this is what we're gonna do but i just i love when he picks up flowers and shells and and we just create together so yes i'm more aware of the importance of creativity and that i want to want him to know that it's out there and you can do it you said that you grew up um basically to the soundtrack of the hum of the sewing machine from your uh-huh. own mom um did she encourage you to create the way that you are with uh, doing so with your son um, I don't know. My parents both all, always told me and my brother that um, 
we should take every opportunity that comes our way that we wanted to do it, that we never should do anything that we later regret, but that we wouldn't, we should never be afraid of doing anything. So it really gave us that whole open feeling that anything was possible. Um, I think my father is more from the corporate world. So I think when I finished high school, I kind of felt that was the more accepted way to mm -hmm. go. Yeah. Um, I remember I had art as one of my majors in high school. And um, when I graduated, my art teacher took me aside and, you know, talked to me about all the possibilities of continued education in the art, like the universities and everything. But I think I wasn't ready at that time. I, I didn't realize that it could be a real career, quote unquote, or that it could be my career. So I just chose to go the corporate way. But um, I think my parents really always were open to anything, whatever we wanted to do. Um, so when I said I wasn't going to do that anymore, they were really open about that too. Like, yeah, of course, you know, they never, they never said anything that it wouldn't be possible. And I, I'm not planning on telling Otis, my son, that something is not going to be possible if he says, mom, I want to go and do that. Yeah. Are there any cultural differences between the two countries that you've, you've lived in um, as far as creativity goes or expectations or boundaries? Mm, I think in general, very general, general um, in New York, I don't know the whole United States, so I can only talk about New York. Everybody is really like excited if you do something, if you tell them like you're an illustrator or a craft book author and everybody's like, oh, that's so cool. And how did you get there? And how do you do that? And it's real positive and uplifting. And I think... In the Netherlands, it's a little harder, or that's what I remember from back in the day. I haven't been here that long yet to see if it really changed or not, but it was always more, okay, so okay, so you're creative, but um, how are you going to pay the bills? And what are you really going to do? Uh, and, oh, that's so cool. I, I could never do that. But then I'm thinking, yeah, whatever it is that you're doing, I could never do that because this is who I am. So. Right. It's, it's a little different. Um, I think in New York, people are more um, uh, connecting easily, uh, more easily. Like, oh, you do that. Oh, I know somebody who does this. So maybe if you give him or her a call, then you could do something together. Um, here, I think people in the moment, they're very, um, very enthusiastic about it. Like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. But then when you really pick up the phone to do something... Everything goes by by a schedule. Everybody, everything needs to be planned out. Like, oh yeah, I gotta check my calendar. I gotta check my calendar. So it, it makes things a little different how you how you make your moves here. I think. But on the other hand, like there's a lot of great designs designers and design coming from the Netherlands and mm -hmm. from all Europe. But like Dutch design is amazing. There's a lot of great architects and furniture design that is amazing and that, yeah, that I'm like, okay, I am also surrounded by all that. So, yeah. I think that really um, reads through your designs as well. Your um, your illustration style, when I found out that you where you were from originally, I just thought, oh, of course, this makes so much sense. Uh -huh. So, I mean, this is the kind of, um, that's so my vibe, so my gig. It's just got yeah. this great... Um, 
I mean, this is an American designer, but it's very like Jonathan Adler, like who was that, mm. who is inspired by, you know, European mm-hmm. designers, but you've got a really sort of, it's accessible, but there's a lot of really sort of, there's a cuteness to it, but also a coolness to it. And there's a lot of shape and color. Um, I, I spent an evening, I think you might have seen this on Instagram, and I'll, I'll post the picture on your show notes pages also, as well mm-hmm. so others can see it. But when I, I got, a lot of times I get books from publishers and they go into a pile or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But when I got yours, I flipped through it, and not only did I just love the illustration style, it was, you know, like I said, totally my gig. Mm-hmm. But I also loved how you break it down enough so that an absolute beginner or a child mm-hmm. has a chance to make it look almost exactly as you have created the project for it. Um, will you talk a little bit about your... Um, so I sat there with my daughter and we both drew the exact same things and it was so fun. Of course, they were a little bit different, you know, but so mm-hmm. close. And the sense of accomplishment that she felt to see that it right. looked look like what was in the book and sort of looked like what mine was. And um, will you talk a little bit about your illustration style? Well, first of all, that makes me very happy that you say that because oh, I love, I, I get glad. a lot of response from moms um, doing it with their children or um, mothers who ask me if I could do a whole book for, for their young girls. And yeah, so so that thank you for that. That makes me happy. I sit here with a big grin on my face. Oh, right I'm now. so glad. Yeah, um, I like uh, like I said earlier. Like I I look around my me in and I see everything in shapes and colors. Like everybody does, but I'm really aware of um, how things fit um, or not fit. Um, I can get really happy from great architecture. I can get really upset from bad architecture because sometimes I see it's just this one window that shouldn't be there. And and that's also how I build my illustrations. Like it's it's, um, like this gut feeling when I draw and I I know this line is supposed to go here and this this circle has to go here to balance it out. And I, I think it's a lot of balancing um yeah oh it's it's difficult (laughs) well it's real easy for me to do but it's difficult to put it in words how much um Mm -hmm. influence does your love of vintage style play into it oh a lot lot. i can't deny that um i've been i'm a child of the 70s Uh, i always loved that whole mid-century 50s 60s 70s aesthetic and I think I I take that uh, and put that in a little bit more modern, maybe color scheme or shape-wise. I just translate it a little bit more to now. Um, but um, yeah, I think most of the books that you will find in my books book um, bookcase are books from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So that's what I see, um, and that's what inspires me a lot. So. Yeah, I think you would definitely see that in the patterns and the shapes that I use also in the book. So at a certain point when you were blogging, um, you decided to move away from um, Ismael's playground and start uh, Modern Mint. Mm -hmm. Um, Will you take us a little bit through that journey? Yeah, I think I outgrew Ismael's playground a while before I actually changed it. It's one of those things um, you probably know, you use your own name so that's easy, that's never gonna change. 
Um, I, I use, I started out using Ismoya. That's really when I moved to New York and there was that reinvent myself thing. Yeah. <clears throat> Apologies. Um, so when I moved to New York, it was like, okay, who am I going to be? And then it was Ismoyo. It was also because I noticed my name is Deborah, but in the Netherlands you say Deborah. Uh-huh. And every, every time I introduced myself in New York and I said, yeah, my name is Deborah, people looked at me like, huh, what, what, what was your name? So then when I became this other persona, Ismoyo, or for short, Izzy, People could actually, you know, they remembered that it was easy. Oh, easy. Oh, yeah, we know right. her, you know? Right. So that's when that changed. And then when you are in that for so long, it's difficult to change it because you're Ismoyo everywhere. You're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, everywhere. And that decision, like, okay, this is not who I am at this moment anymore, was something I had to think long and hard about. But then when I finally made that decision, like, okay, I need to go into another way because Ismoya was even more whimsy and more cutesy than I think my style is now. I think my style grew up in a way too. So it had to change. And then, you know, you think about it and then it's like, okay, mod and mint, mod is still in in you know a reference to the mod 60s and the style and it just it just fit it was just like okay this is gonna be it this is the name i'm gonna be working under but as deborah green right it's like i'm not embarrassed anymore to be my given name or green is my married name but you know what i mean like it was just like okay it's time for deborah to come out and and just be there and so I changed it everywhere it was just one day at another you know I think there are also challenges though to using I I struggle with this all the time for using Uh your name on everything because it's harder to reinvent because it's still you Mm -hmm. like it's still Mm -hmm. your name and your face yeah where so so you you can't mm -hmm. you know have that blank canvas the way that you're you know, Uh-oh. that we've talked about Uh-oh. all the time. Didn't think about that yeah. yet. Now so, I can't do that anymore. Uh, but No, you I can. Mean, you can because yeah. you're mod and mint. I mean, for mm-hmm. your business. I don't mean, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, if you were to go by DebraGreen.com, mm-hmm. it would be different. And I yeah. also wonder, and this is, you know, I have, you know, this is only just a question. I mm-hmm. also wonder if people feel a little more comfortable coming to websites that aren't one person's name because it feels less intimate. I, I think... There's two two um, two groups of people. I think I, I hear what you're saying. I think there's uh, people that like it more if it feels like it's a bigger company or it's not just one person, and other people that really gravitate towards buying or reading from the one person that they see and know. So I think I'm somewhere in between. Like yeah. yes, it's a business. Like it's not just me. Like I'm running a business. I'm very business savvy. Um, so that's what I do and who I am too. But it's also like, hi, I'm here too. I, I'm, you know, now I put myself out. I put my picture out there. Like this is me. You know, there's no more, no more hiding behind anything. It's it's okay. You focus a lot on um, on vintage on your site. What what are your favorite types of things to collect? Like if you if you're out at a flea market, what are mm-hmm. what what's the prize that your eye is on? Uh, lamps. 
I have lamps. a thing for lamps. Um, yeah, I would buy them all day, every day if I could. And and here in the Netherlands, there's this like scala, like there's so many amazing vintage lamps still to be found. Um, I need to start learning how to rewire the lamps because I think now, before I didn't care, it was like if it's a gorgeous vintage lamp, I took it home and I plugged it in. I, I, yeah, I did check the wiring a little bit if nothing was very loose, but then I just plugged it in. But now being a mom, I'm like, okay, maybe safety hazards. I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe yeah. I should worry about the house burning down. Yes, right. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. So I think maybe one day I'm going to – I've been told it's really easy to rewire a lamp. So I, I think – Yeah, I'm, I don't okay. know. I mean, I've had some – I'll have to send you a picture. So one of my <laughs> prized possessions, or rather two of my prized possessions, are these lamps, these turquoise lamps that I got. They're probably late 50s, early 60s pristine condition mm -hmm. um i got off ebay i think and it's like the they're like the one thing in my house that the children know that they need to stay away from <laughs> it's like the, yeah um but they you know i couldn't plug them in in good conscience the way they were so i took mm -hmm. them and had them rewired but it's a little spendy it's a little expensive yes, to do that I'm, I'm right now as we speak i'm sitting next to a huge box that was just delivered this afternoon i haven't had time to open it yet but inside is a vintage lamp that somebody rewired for me oh, for my new house so as soon as we're finished, I'm going to open this <laughs> box up and like be all like, oh, my new lamp, my new old lamp. Oh, you'll have to post a picture on Instagram so we can yeah, see. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Well, you're new. So now, so, you know, we've been talking a lot about blank canvases. Mm -hmm. uh, your, your home is going to be that for you now. Oh, yeah. And I'm so happy. I'm so excited to start decorating it. Like, and also, um, I think... And no offense to all the American furniture stores, but all my time living in America or in New York, um, I was always looking for the thing that I hated least or mm, hated the yeah. least. If I went out looking for curtains, okay, I made my own curtains, but you know, as, a, as an example, I had to go to the store and pick out the one that I hated least. Um, here I go into stores, even the budget decorating stores, and I love the design style so i'm like very excited to go and start buying all this so stuff. even even the chain store stuff is significantly different than here yeah really yeah mm -hmm. i think it's more light there's a lot of white and i see i, I do notice that there's a lot of um the fake 50s mid-century um legs on the furniture you know the, the yeah uh -huh. pin legs and everything yeah i see that like in every store right now which I like, but then I want the real deal and not the the remakes from those type of things because that's also that's like I like I like the um, the design of course and and the the lines of the furniture pieces, but if they're so obvious remakes of vintage pieces, I like I'm like let me just go out and find an original because the quality is going to be better. But that's a whole different story. I'm just very excited. Yes, um, start designing my house. It's a blank canvas. My husband is always like, okay, babe, I trust you. You're going to make it a very comfortable home. I'm like, okay, I want an Instagram home, but I want to be comfortable too. <laughs> 
<laughs> I feel like that's what we all aspire to mm-hmm. for, for better or worse. But, but you know, we always clean up before we make the Instagram picture. Let's be yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that you said that uh, mm-hmm. because I know that people can, there's that whole thing where people feel bad about themselves when they see other people's homes. Mm-hmm. So we, oh, everybody, you, you take the best angle, you use mm-hmm. the best filter. The, yeah. rest, the rest of the house might be a hot mess, but that oh, yeah, corner, we, that we corner. Because you just threw all the toys behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, will any of your illustrations or the types of illustrations that we see from your book um, be hanging in your new home? Oh, yes. I, I just asked that to my uh, my husband like last week. I was like, I'm not sure from the book, but what I'm working on right now, I said, you know, we're still looking for that one big piece of art for in the living room or in, in the kitchen or, you know, the walls are still bare. There must be something that we put up. And then I was like, is it weird if I want to blow up one of my own illustrations and frame that, you know, because I like my own work now. And he was like, no, that's not weird at all. You can do that. And I was like, oh, I can. Oh, okay. So you now- can even <laughs> upload it to Spoonflower and make wallpaper out of it. Right. You could really do it. You could really mm-hmm. do it up. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. They, they, they send out work to, to Europe too, right? It's not just America. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, okay, I'm going to think about that. Well, I look forward to um, sort of being a voyeur of your yeah. of your blank of your current blank canvas. Thank and you. I've really enjoyed um, I've really enjoyed Sharpie style. Your Sharpie style. It's been really cool because I am not an illustrator, but it's something mm-hmm. that I would love to be able to do more of. And this has made it accessible for me. And it's been such a pleasure talking with you today. Yes, yeah, same here. Thank you so much. Thank you too. Deborah's illustrations, tutorials, and vintage-style musings can be found through her blog, Modern Mint. For more info, links, some photos of her work, and to enter to win one of two copies of Deborah's book, Your Sharpie Style, please check out this episode's show notes page at vickihowell.com craftish. To enter, just post a comment about which creative outlet brings you a little peace when you're stressed out. The contest will end at midnight central time on August 1st. And this is actually only our second giveaway ever on this relatively new podcast. So don't be afraid of entering. Your chances of winning um, are pretty great. Again, you can enter on the page for this episode found at vickihowell.com craftish. Thanks again to our sponsor, Makers Mercantile, who would like to celebrate podcast guest and fellow artist, Deborah Green, by giving Craftish listeners a special discount of 15% off of all Zenbroidery freeform stitching picture packs. I'm going to go ahead and put a picture of those also on the show notes page so you can see them, but you can use the code VickyMakes at checkout at makersmercantile.com if you want to purchase one. Again, it's VickyMakes and I spell my name V-I-C-K-I-E. That offer ends on August 5th. I also want to just take a moment to thank all of you who continue to give us reviews on iTunes and post such nice comments on Instagram and Facebook and via email. I may not be able to respond to everyone, but I do see them all and I'm so, so grateful. Craftish is a Camp Bell production. It's produced in Austin, Texas by me and mixed and edited by Dave Campbell. Music is provided by Explosions in the Sky. On the next episode of Craftish, I chat with Amagurumi designer and lifestyle blogger, the incomparable Twinkie Chan. That show will go live on our new day. Starting next week, we have a new day, Thursday. So again, tune in next Thursday for that episode. Until then, take a little time to revel in your creative self. 
breathe in, craft out. Bye.